And I, I imagine this is because home church setting, smaller group, more intimate. There's you're forced to see people more. I'm going to predict there's a yeah the the relationship is increased accountability with the smaller size of your gathering. That's what I feel confident. Hello and welcome to That They Might Know, a podcast devoted to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Joe Durso, your host, and for this episode, I am interviewing friend and brother in the Lord, Nate Derange. Our discussion includes topics like Nate's salvation and testimony, the effect environment has on individuals, and how we should view man that is made in the image of God. And now, for our show. I'm here with my brother, Nate. Hey, it's me, Nate. My name's Nate Derringe. Okay, that's right. I am so glad he's visiting me with uh, his wife, Cecilia. And we're going to talk a little bit about Christianity. And let's start off with you, Nate. Um, Give me a little bit of history of how you came to Christ. Excellent. Well, I grew up in a, what we'll call a Christian family. My parents are Christians. Uh, Went to church as a family growing up. Uh, pretty much my whole life, so I, I I knew the gospel. I knew about God. I knew I knew all of everything you need to know to be a Christian. And then in eighth grade, I went to a summer camp. It was a Christian camp, and I may have been fearful of the paganism in my public high school where I was about to go. So I knew I wanted to take a side, pick sides, but I. Uh, Whatever if that, that fear may have motivated me, but that's when I I like repented of my sins and mm. yeah, I surrendered myself to Jesus. Wow. How old were you? I, I was I was eighth grade, so fourteen or something, wow. thirteen. Um, and then yeah, and after that, yeah, just was serious about my faith, serious about sin, serious about getting in the Word, getting to know God, prayer, mm. and. Uh, yeah, journeys have, have been different places spiritually and geographically and different churches, different different, uh, different folks at my church for discipling and other other groups. Did you move I, around a bit? No, I just typical went to college and somewhere else and then moved somewhere else after that. But, uh, but yeah, that's... That's, uh, so your family was Christian, so what kind of church did you go to when you were a kid? It was an evangelical free church. So Tell me about that experience. It was fine, I think. Personally, I'm, I'm pretty happy with, with most Protestant churches. Like I, I served at a Lutheran Missouri, Missouri Synod ministry in college for a year, and they like to baptize babies. And I also went to a Lutheran private school where they also do that, and I, I don't believe that's necessary at all, but... I'm thankful I can go there and worship. Um, How is your fellowship with the people there? It's great. I've like yeah, as I was saying before, I've been different places, and I think God taught me different things at at each place. For example, when I was in college, and uh, I was was involved in campus campus crusade as well as the the Luther ministry, and um, yeah, there's just some of the pastors there and some of the ministry workers like they're really focused on intentional community. And that's where I really sort of you know, thought a lot and read a lot about that. And then my, my current church, you know, it's really focused on having a healthy church. 
and uh, just understanding how important that is to the faith. Um, so I'm, yeah. That's, I'm In each of this. the churches that you went to, what was the method that you had <clears throat> to find a church that you would regard as, you know, gospel preaching? Well, the first step was usually a referral. Does anyone know of a good church? And then that's how it needs to be generated. Um, so that's, yeah, step number one. Oftentimes, and this has been consistent throughout my life, like, I think the important thing is just go to church, go worship with other Christians. But Sunday morning, got to go somewhere and worship with other believers. And then uh, there might be some things I don't like, maybe some preferences on music or whatever. Um, maybe maybe I've seen things that I really don't like that are, uh, may I say, say dangerous for people, like passing out communion cups to everybody who goes in. I've been to a church somewhere overseas that did that, and I'm like, wow, this is pretty dangerous. And I don't know, if, and I don't recall them giving a warning, the, the same warnings that Paul gives for those who mm-hmm. take the cup when they're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. But um, to answer your question, yeah, I just, just go. One, the important thing is to go to a church and make sure there's some good preaching, some sound doctrine. I, I, I'm sold on expositional preaching currently, just making sure the text is from the Bible and uh, trying to capture whatever the author was trying to say in the text instead of whatever the pastor wants to say and using the, the Bible to support whatever they're, they want to say. Gotcha. But anyway, it's an art. That's how I do it. So beyond the worship service in the morning, mm-hmm. has fellowship within the church groups or whatever you've been connected to, has, how is that, has that changed at all from church to church? Or could you, you know, pinpoint how there yeah. might be differences? That's, that's a great question. When I was in college at the student ministry, it was college students were were my friends, the ones we worshipped with. Uh, I went to church on campus. And there was one student, it was a friend of mine, his parents always showed up. And so when it comes to diversity of demographics, having older people or families, I uh, my college experience was a little bit lacking compared to what I, you know, usually attend at a, at a church with families. And uh, a lot more realistic picture of one society and the kingdom of God. Um, but yeah, there's, that's like the biggest difference, I think. But usually with friendships, it's just, I, I don't know why I have the friends I have. Actually, it's usually whoever's closest and whoever's the most friendly. Geographically? You know? um, geographically, no, I mean like, I don't, I don't know. Closest mean. meaning as friends or uh, just? Yeah, no, ge- geographically. I think uh. Uh, there's even, even some studies that, I read this in um, some Malcolm Gladwell book. There was a study when people said who their best friend was, and they believed that their closest friend was the one with whom they spent the most time. And then upon examination, people spent way more time to who, with those who were closer to them geographically than those who they claimed they spent the most time with who were their best friends. I think that was a project done in, like, some, um, yeah, some some, like government housing community where people are really close. But I believe 
geographically, whoever's closest to you, therefore it's probably the smallest cost to hang out with them. That's who you hang out with the most, or that's who at least it's easiest to hang out with because it's, it's, yeah. This isn't exactly a Christian study that I'm about to cite, but like 30 years ago, Harvard did a a study to find out who, uh, who had the most friends, something to that effect. Okay. And they found out that the people who were the most loving were the people who were loved the most. <laughs> Isn't that something? That that is uh, that's pretty neat. I like that. <laughs> and it really that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it does, yeah. Like, yeah. It's kinda yeah, it did have a Christian twist to it. <laughs> yeah. No, that that is something I'd, I would enjoy reading study afterwards. And I'm sure it's <laughs> Yeah, it was just a study, but yeah. Uh, I don't think they came to too many philosophical conclusions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, uh, I don't know. If you, if you need a... F- yeah. Like, I'm thankful for my, my friendships. You know? It's like the best way to, be a, to make a friend is to be a friend. That's so before we got started on this just a few minutes ago, we yeah. were talking home church movement. We were. So I, I thought we'd return to that subject and give me your... Do you have any ex- personal experience with a home church? I can't think of any at the moment. I actually, when a coronavirus occurred, uh, the, the shutdowns that occurred in 2020, when uh, in March 2020, our, my, my church stopped meeting for a period of months. And uh, I hosted my own home church with my roommates, fiance. We invited some neighbors. So there were three or four Sundays when... A few people met at my house, and one day I gave the message, and we rotated who does the prayer of confession and some other things, some other prayers. So that's my limited experience, and it was a good time. Hmm. So you, you could see from that 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 would not necessarily be a bad thing, or is that a leap on my part? No, I I, 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 I would agree. I think it's, uh, I prefer it. You know, I think... Um, yeah, smaller. Yeah, I, I like it. Now, you didn't have, a, a, like, a couple of years to experience this, but mm-hmm. with the limited time that you had, and how much time have you spent, like, in Bible studies over your life? Oh, I mean, I, I could do the math. Like, let's say, on average, once a week for, once a week. for an hour, so that's 50 hours a week, uh, or 50, you know, 50 hours a year times 10, you know, that's 500 hours. I've led a few Bible studies, and that's... Multiple hours, that's by myself. So let's just yeah, say you have a really good view of the difference between Sunday morning church, uh, in the limited way we're talking, mm-hmm. uh, Sunday morning worship service, not saying that's all that goes on in a church, yeah, but yeah. to a weekly Bible study or church for you know a little period of time. So my question is, mm-hmm. how does accountability change from Sunday morning church, in a lot of cases that's old people get, yeah. Um, but not in all cases. Sometimes there's a culture of discipleship or something going on, yeah, yeah. or home study. So mm-hmm. how does accountability change from church building and church worship to the home church setting? And I, I imagine this is because home church setting, smaller group, more intimate. There's You're forced to see people more. I'm going to predict there's a, yeah, the, the relationship is increased accountability with the smaller size of your gathering. That's what I feel confident defending. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I went to uh, men's studies yeah. for that reason. Okay. Because, uh, and I'm, I'm fine with a community group, but, mm-hmm. uh, but the one thing about a men's study or a woman's study led by a woman mm-hmm. uh, is that some walls come down, some inhib- inhibitions or men's sharing and speaking about things, they kind of disappear. Mm-hmm. And you can just be yourself. And when you can just be yourself, accountability rises, uh, church discipline increases, not in the worst sense of that mm-hmm. word, but in the sense of caring more for each other and making sure. So you can, you would agree that you see that kind of in your life? I would, I would totally agree. I imagine if, it's, if I'm in a, a men's group study, especially as a single person, you can talk about your, your sin issues with lust or whatever way more openly with a bunch of dudes <laughs> rather than some like potential, you know, spousal prospects in there <laughs> with you as well. So, right. yep, I, I totally agree. It makes sense. All right. Gotcha. All right. So I'm going to turn this, this part right mm-hmm. here over to you. Okay. As to what's on your mind and what's on your heart. Oh, I got a lot of things. Man. <laughs> Good. Let's I, go. I, I, <laughs> Right now I'm traveling, right? So uh, it's like at the time we're, we're recording this, you know, uh, my my home, t- my, my 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 adopted city of DC has been uh, and essentially locked down with fences, and you can't do anything fun. No museums are open, so like I'm on the road right now, doing a little teleworking, seeing some friends, and it's wonderful seeing how <laughs> other people live. Uh, catching up, going into different sized houses, uh, <laughs> seeing like, different restaurants, different foods, but different people having conversations with new folks or old friends, and it's you know so that, that that's what that's what's on my mind right now because that's what I'm doing right now. So apart from the fact of just growing mm-hmm. your awareness of all these differences, sure, yeah, have you gotten any? lessons or have you learned anything from this <laughs> i think it's <laughs> really in the spiritual context in the spiritual context yeah. or anything but you can talk anything uh-huh. well i've been able to, gratefully one of the benefits of, of travel which is a thing i love to do since thankfully i got maybe able to travel physically and uh i stay with people you know and saves on the, you know, the the cost side of things makes right. it easy but i've been to th- three different church services in the past three weeks um, in two different states and uh, been able to worship with other Christians in other contexts. Um, and it's been, it's been pretty, pretty great. One service I went, I attended in, in Lynchburg, Virginia was a huh. body of believers who were meeting in the gym of some private Christian school. And, uh, you know, like the, the worship music was, was familiar to me. There was like a, you know, a cello in there or whatever. And then they had a, they had like a 25 minute recess in between the worship with music and a short message from the New Testament. Then there was a break in the middle. And then there was a, another message from, yeah, well, I think it was, yeah, that was also from the New Testament. So there was, yeah, so it was a great yeah, new, new experience. Met some people and learned about how they live as a church. Like they, that church happened to have meetings on Tuesdays and Wednesdays for their Bible studies, and they usually had a potluck every Sunday pre-COVID. So just worshiping with different 
Christians in America, and I've gone to churches in other places that aren't America, uh, gratefully. And um, yeah, it's just good to see how the body of Christ works in different places. Mm-hmm. But they're still we're still reading the same Bible, having to sing some of the same songs, and there's we all have sin issues and other issues, and uh, it's just different context. And so I was yeah I was really grateful to go there, and then the two other weeks I actually went to the same church building, but there was a church plant who met in the evening, and then. The church that was older met in the morning, so I, I happened to see two different church bodies. It's huh. different, within different the groups same of people church. within the same church building from two weeks, uh, yeah, just a, a week apart. And that was also an interesting experience, and it was uh, it was kind of neat. Then you, you know, ideally you they have some cookies or something afterwards, and you you talk to some of the congregational members, learn about how they're organized and how long they've been there, and just their their testimonies, and uh, it's it's a wonderful opportunity to just learn more and grow and experience more. And uh, yeah, anyway, things I like to do when I travel. <laughs> what else is going on? Um, well, okay. What are you most passionate about right now? Oh, or up at the top? It doesn't have to be the most passionate. Yeah, yeah, top three. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a good question because, like, what is most is it's hard to answer. Top five things um, on my mind are usually personal finance. You know, want to pay off mortgages someday. That's always I think about that a lot. How to be a good steward with whatever resources God's given me. Um, I also think about you know podcasting, and you're giving me a real experience right here. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, usually on topics that I've studied for hundreds of hours, which are like race and the church in America, (laughs) and politics in Washington, D.C. And these are all things that I uh, I have conversations with people, or I see ideas or narratives that are publicized, and I I think about them, and I do my own research. Okay, so (laughs) since you've researched this, let me ask you a question. Uh So Christianity, Mm -hmm. when I was brought up, as I say a kid, but I was brought up Catholic, and I didn't really get into the nuts and bolts of real evangelical churches yeah. until I was like in my late teens or early 20s. Yeah. And at that point, you know, it was spiritualizing things. It was uh, let go and let God. It was, you know, just, there was a fairly huge separation between faith and practice. So where I'm going with this question mm-hmm. is just how tight is faith and practice, and, and, and what, what practices can we rule out and say, okay, that has nothing to do with your Christian faith, or if there are any, you know, or, you know, where are you coming from, from this matter of faith and practice, like politics? Well, you know, that doesn't involve us, you know, we just submit, you know, or whatever they're saying, you know, and you can do that with a whole host of different yeah. things. I'm not telling you where to go here. Uh-huh. I'm just asking. Now, this is a new idea for me. I might have to get some more clarification okay. from you. So when you say faith and practice, I immediately think of the uh, U.S. congressman who was during a hearing said, I, I believe that abortion is wrong, but I don't let that, I don't let that affect my politics and my vote. When I vote, I, I vote independently of my personal beliefs. Is that sort of what you're talking about, where, you're, where there's this, maybe a dissonance between the Bible says this, I claim this, but I, I, I lay down that, that belief of mine for 
for other practical reasons, or or, or, or maybe you could clarify. Well, no, I think you're really close mean. there. Uh, you know, when when the Bible we say the Bible is sufficient for all matters of faith and practice. Okay, that's where I'm going with this. So, mm-hmm. whatever the area of life, yeah, does the Bible speak to it, and are we obliged one way or another? to be obedient to God in the matter of faith and practice. Meaning faith can be theoretical, Mm -hmm. which I don't believe that that's true if it's just theoretical. It has to be practical where I'm coming from. Uh And so I'm asking you, you in your experience, where are you between matters of faith and Mm -hmm. practice? Okay, I think I understand a little bit more. And I think it's an incredibly important question, just as like, as I've grown older, like... In my 30s now, and it's like, what am I doing with with my time? I, at my church, I've, I've you know tithed, you know a lot of money, and I've I've spent there. You know, I'm there Sunday all day during normal times, and there for a small group on Monday, and there on Wednesday night studying the Bible. And uh, my point is like, like my faith, I, I invest a lot in it, and I want to know if. How do I put this? I want to know if, like, yeah, that it's real. You know, like, I don't want to waste my time with something that that doesn't really serve a purpose. You know, like, if I were to give lots of money or spend all this time with with these people, I want to make sure it's, like, I want to take it seriously. Because I could be doing other things. And so I think that kind of idea pushes, like, how are we practicing um, and the need for it. But then the second thought that I have when you, when you ask me that is, okay, what, what areas does the Bible apply to that I'm, I'm avoiding the biblical preaching? Um, and then one area for me is like keeping the Sabbath day holy. The Bible says like six days do your labor, then on the seventh you rest. And I'm like, hmm, seven, like Sabbath is my Sunday. Am I resting? Am I taking... Like, I read I read a, a biography about Eric Liddell, the guy who won the Olympics in, like, the 30s. And he said, hey, the Sabbath is the Lord's Day. I'm not going to run. But today in our society, there's no Olympian athletes taking Sunday off. There's no NFLers taking Sunday off. Maybe they all take their, their Mondays off or something. But that's what I think of. Like, Eric Liddell was a man who took his faith so seriously he said, hey, this gift that I have, I'm giving it to the Lord on Sunday and setting it aside. And uh, so that's probably one of the best, I think, an extreme example of practicing your faith. And the Lord blessed him for it. He mm-hmm. got a gold medal and you know, did mission work in China until the Chinese put him in a little camp <laughs> where he died during World War II. And he'll have a better resurrection. <laughs> yeah, he, he served the Lord. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, I get convicted when I read stories, stories like that. That kind of conviction is good. Yeah. <laughs> or like not being ashamed of the gospel. Am I ashamed of the gospel? Like with my colleagues, I'm not ashamed. Or, or, or people who I know who don't go to my church. I'm like, like, what'd you do this weekend? Yeah, I went to church. It's a good message. I learned about this. What are you doing tonight? Wednesday night. Oh, I'm going to go to Bible study. Like, that's a check. That's, that's me saying... Yeah, my practice. I'm, I'm not being ashamed of the gospel. You know who Jesus is. Like, am I witnessing and not being ashamed? That's another part of practice. 
I like to think of finances too a lot. Um, my being a good steward is God. Am I acting like mammon is is my God because I can't serve both God and money? So as a Christian, am I? Do I have God in His proper place? And then these resources around me are they? Am I being a good steward and uh, putting God first and using the things in my life for His glory? So. Those are the things that I think about when you pose your question about faith versus practice. And hopefully your faith in God as Christian drives your yeah, drives your behaviors. So it sounds to me like if I ask you the question, is there an area of your life that you could think of <laughs> that wouldn't come under the heading of attached to Christianity? Is there anything that would come to mind? Oh. I, I think the answer is pretty sure the answer is no. I mean, look at, look at Colossians. Like, all things were made through Christ for him and by him. So everything in this world belongs to him. And so therefore, anything in my life, like, it's, it's God letting me borrow it. And so that, yeah, that's how I'd answer that. Okay. So going back to something you said earlier. Sure. You mentioned that it must be on your heart about race in America with regards to Christianity. Uh-huh. Is there anything you'd like to share and your feelings about that or as to what you're seeing on the Christian front and yeah. what do you agree with, what you don't? That is it's a good question. Um, there is, it's, a, it's important to say like, yeah, what, what, what Christians are saying about race. I, was, I took part in a, a Zoom call with faith leaders who were in my, my neighborhood the other night. And uh, and an elected official was talking about the, um, the gun violence in my neighborhood. And he blamed it on institutional racism is the reason why there were so many murders happening. Like a lack of resources in my neighborhood because there aren't enough grocery stores or not enough parks. There's a there's there's this environment which is conducive for people committing murders, and I want to like take these ideas that are in society and conform them to Christ. Like that idea comes from someone who would claim to be a Christian, but he's not a church member and doesn't go to. I, I don't I don't I don't think he I don't know if he attends church or or like is a true believer, but the idea that he shared. It's very similar to other ideas I hear from people in my church. And so I just need to, I just like to investigate them. Like, what does the Bible say about race? What does the Bible say about governance? And let's, let's focus on that before, um, yeah, when, when considering these ideas in society. What do you think? Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound like you've studied too much of this out. Maybe you have. Uh, What what do you think the Bible has to say about the causes, let's put it this way, of sin? Hmm. Is is, uh, environment a primary cause of sin? Is it a secondary or third tertiary cause of sin? Or is there something, you know, what is... What, what, what's, what's making this thing work that we, we know is sin, which is 
rebellion and pride and go down the list, hatred and jealousy and idolatry, all of that stuff, where is it coming from? Society or some other place? It's a great question. And, and we could talk in a, a secular viewpoint. On yeah, let's do that first. What's society we saying? We can do that. Well, uh, I'm, I'm pulling this from some college psych class, but uh, there's a continuum of, of people and their environment. There's, 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 there's different theories, but I think, uh, I think a lot of folks who are you know, thinking critically would agree that the environment does have an influence on behavior. And also we, as people, we also have, we, we have a high degree of influence on our behavior. And so uh, I, think, I think reasonable people would agree there's a lot of factors that go into behavior. And the environment is a factor. And uh, the, the tough question is which factors have the greatest weight? And then, like, you know, we've got to talk about the behavior specifically. The, the thing I attended on Zoom was having to be about uh, murders in my community. And, and so, like, that's the subject. And then and hopefully a discussion on the causes would, would come in after that. But, was there a conclusion on that Zoom? Uh, unfortunately, I thought the Zoom call went a lot for... Let's try these different solutions. Let's try to have more uh, things for the kids to do. Let's have uh, mentors talk to them in different events where they can give, uh, excuse me, like talk about different issues. And a lot of it just focused on solutions. I, I offered the comment of let's focus on, I, I'm, I'd like to know what the causes are. And this is, as a Christian, I know that ultimately the answer is it's in our central nature, um, like the Genesis, like man's man's fallen, and we want to like we're, we're we're inherently selfish, fallen, sinful beings who want to serve ourselves and our desires, our flesh, and uh, yeah, like the Holy Spirit has to change that in us. Um, but you know, if you look at uh, just to add a little comment here. Mm-hmm. So if you look at uh, revivals down through church age, okay, and you could look into church history and look at the prophets too, but start with Pentecost, yeah, go to the New Testament teachings, then go on to just jump to the uh, Reformation, and then go to the Great Awakening, mm-hmm. you know, 1730, 1770. All of those revivals bring about preachers who, who hit, you know, the, the population with a message, which is you must be born again. And they just cut through all of the other stuff that you have, all this, all of the environmental, which is true. I mean, we can talk about that. Fine. Mm-hmm. We, we know that we're around people. I was just reading the book now by a missionary friend who sent it to me. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about when he was a teenager and how meeting people's expectations became a deterrent to his Christianity. And so his culture was having an effect on him. But as a Christian... He was thinking through it, and he was realizing that it was sin that was taking him away. And when his parents said they're going to move and he could start out new, he wanted to start out fresh as a Christian and 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 cut through all of that. You're not going to affect me anymore, type of thing. Where now they had already known him for his bad behavior, and he's trying <laughs> to say he's a Christian, and it's just not working. You know, he messed up, and now he wanted to fix that, and he didn't want to do that anymore. Eventually, he became a missionary. Good guy, I don't know him. So anyway. This, this is the gospel message. Look, this is the way I was as a sinner. 
Now my heart's been changed and transformed, and where I was once deceitful and selfish and rebellious, now I'm conformed, I want to be conformed to the image of God, I want to submit to His will, and I want to be obedient. Bingo! If everyone on the planet was like that, would there be a problem? <laughs> Forget no. about cultural environment at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not going to be any cultural environment in heaven forever. It's going to be every individual relationship with Jesus Christ will dictate that everyone will live righteously and in perfect harmony. That's all it is. Yeah, I think, I think if everyone on the planet was a genuine believer, yeah, we, we, we would have world peace. We'd have all those things that we... Can you straighten want. it out any other way? Uh, I, have to, I have to think about it. Like what if there's... And I'm talking about really straighten it out. Yeah. No, I, I think I think in order to, for at least the the question posed to my community in the Zoom meeting, like you would need to have ultimate humility. You know, everyone would have to be super humble. How's that going to happen? It, it, and like, I, I don't think it would happen via via the world we live in, via human means. <laughs> <Can't> um, <laughs> but if uh, it does, it yeah. will have changed world history. <laughs> would have, yeah. I mean, otherwise we have to get into like. You know, usual answers like, "Oh, we need, we need some type of force to control man's passions, to control the the firearms, or control the the aggressors." Which is a, is a political solution, which sounds like a place with potentially not very much freedom. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think I think the solution ultimately, and, and, this, and the thing is like. I was in a meeting with a bunch of people called faith leaders, and I don't even like the word faith leaders. I think uh, I heard a, a Canadian pastor, actually, before he got arrested. I watched his last sermon that you sent me. You sent me, right? Was that you? Probably. Yeah. No, he, he had an aside, like, I'm not a faith leader. I'm a servant of the Most High God. I'm a disciple of Christ. I'm a follower of Christ. Don't call me a faith leader. But anyway, the point is, to yeah, I think the way to... Yeah, achieve a society that's peaceful, like at least for my situation. If everyone just said, "Hey, I'm yeah, I'm I belong to Jesus," and but now you're talking about a miraculous thing. Yeah. Anyway, this this, this isn't like it's an alternate universe theory, but I'm saying that would that would work. Not not for the Earth as we know it. Right. I don't think it would happen. But I like what you're saying. Cutting through. All the, all the variables, all the emotions, all the human uh, attainments. Yeah, ideally, it's the root causes. We're we're bad, depraved beings. You mean Calvin got it right? <laughs> Total depravity, I think, has to be one of the easier parts of Calvinism to accept. It has to be. I mean, there's unless you're blind to what the world is like. <laughs> Which I think we can be. Oh, yeah? Like, you know, we could... If, I, I think as a, if I was just a normal... If I was a person, let's say I, I didn't know Jesus, and I just listened to whatever the major news networks told me to do, like, I would think, oh, I need to watch these shows and be entertained. I need to be a good person by calling this number and, and donating to uh, kids far away who need food. I would... If I, if I like... If I just followed whatever major media told me to do, I could think that the world's not a bad place. You know, shield all the bad stuff, 
all the corruption, all the, you know, sanitize the, all the, the, the murder in society from abortion to wars to, you know, other, other, you know, just horrible things. And even ignore the less atrocious sins, you know, all the theft, all the stealing, all the, all this just other little selfish battles within yourself. Gossip. You, you could convince yourself that the world's a fine place. So I'm talking to a guy yeah. who is, uh, used to be a ship's captain, mm-hmm. and then he went into security for the government when okay. I was living there in D.C. Yeah. So we're having this nice conversation. And he's trying to convince me how since the turn of the 20th century, mm-hmm. the world has been getting better. He was convincing. He was, he trying, was trying to, to convince, convince me, yeah, you know, with technology sure. yeah. and all that's going good and everything's okay. So mm-hmm. I got another Christian brother. We went home that weekend <clears throat> and we got on the laptop and we tried to nail down from 1900 to 2000 how many people died because their life was taken from them. You know, no natural diseases, no causes, mm-hmm. murder, war, abortion, just go through the list, right. crime. We looked for everything we could. Take a guess what the number was. Uh, 1900 to 2000. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard this idea before that, that was the century was, was the bloodiest. Um, I haven't personally made any estimates, but include World War I, World War II, you know, Korea, Vietnam, um, even the stuff that America wasn't involved in or several continents. But yeah, how many people Stalin killed? I mean, he just killed like 10 million Ukrainians just for like no one. No I think one it was like 30. But yeah, anyway. Of his own people. I, uh, I could be doing, this is called like sausage making. making like, <laughs> counting the 40 from that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say 150, but I... I 150 I, what? Million. But I, I could, that's a guess. What, what my, This answer really deserves some, some thinking and some real estimates. You gave me 20 seconds. And right, guess. right. I'm not really... My, my profession is analyst, and so I, I know what the expectation gotcha, is. Gotcha, I'm asking the right guy. So you know how analysts... So I'm not saying that my figure is accurate. It could be more. I know what we did come across. Uh-huh. And now remember, now this is the age of awareness, sure. of scientific, you know, of evolution that, you know, the mind and post-enlightenment. You know, yeah, <laughs> post-enlightenment. Yeah, all of this going on, right? This yeah, is going to be the greatest. This is, we're going to end the war to, war to end all wars, so, all of this. So many PhDs in the world. Right, so all the intelligence thinking, you know, brings us to the how things should be better, which is kind of in line with what we're talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 1900 to 2000, that 100 years what I found was, we found, me and George, yeah. uh, 2.4 billion had their lives taken from them. Now, that does not add up to me as if civilization is actually becoming more civilized. Yeah. What that says to me mm-hmm. is regardless of culture, regardless of environment, regardless of evolution of thinking and education, which has blown the rest of the centuries away, Two point fill, at least two point four billion people, billion uh-huh. had their lives taken from them. Yeah, this is not. This is telling me what sin really is. Uh-huh. Let's. No, you you had a great run there a minute ago uh-huh. about. Let's throw it in the back of the drawer. Let's just deceive ourselves to the max, yeah, and let's think the of the best it can be. Uh-huh. And that's what you know clued me into my friend. Of it. The, the ship captain yeah. who was saying everything is getting good, boy. <laughs> yeah. Really? 
No, I mean, it's really your perspective. If you want to look at uh, hunger, for example, like, like I think our, our global society has, like how many people have died from starvation in the year 2000 as opposed to, to 1900? Like, I understand some of these numbers have to be estimated, but as a society, like, um, yeah, we're, we're not starving ourselves to death very much. It's like obesity happens to be a problem in America. Um, <laughs> there's, like, th- we could have a perspective that says, look at all the, the good in the world. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of like, let's, let's be fair. Let's count all the things that are happening on the, the worldly good side. And then let's look at all the things on the, the, the worldly bad side. And we, we could do that. And then I think you could, you could conclude that, you know, things, things are getting better. But it's also a distraction from what's like eternally good, which is like, Joe, like we're all going to die. Uh, do you know what happens when you die? Do you know you're made in the image of God? And there's been a, you know, that relationship's been severed. And thankfully you can, that, that, that relationship can be redeemed. Not because you're a good person. Definitely not because you're a good person. Because no one's a good person. It's because of Christ. Like that that message, infinitely more important than should I feel good about myself as, as a human in society, you know. So, fascinating subject. I happen to think there are some good things in society. Uh, and I could be happy about it. And I could spend my time focusing on it. But ultimately... What you said a little bit ago, um, it's like cut through all the stuff we're talking about and get to get to the root of like, who am I as a man and my relationship with God. And our relationship with God is based on the blood of Christ, right? It exclusively. So we are born in sin, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, put a, put it in a scriptural way. Yeah. We are aliens, we are lost, mm-hmm. we are depraved, meaning we sin reigns in our life. Even if we're like not this murdering, dope doing, you know, breaking into people's houses, we are rebellious against God. We want our own way. Mm-hmm. We don't care who we hurt with our words a lot of times. I mean, there's just sin is reigning in our lives until Christ comes in. Christ comes in and he begins to change, really change things. He changes the heart. Mm-hmm. And he puts us on the track to a, a joyful, abundant life, even though it may not feel like it. Maybe we're hurting, paying our bills. Maybe people are rejecting us. You know, the environment hasn't changed for us as Christians. Sometimes it's really bad. Sometimes people go into places just for the gospel's sake and they get tortured and killed. Mm-hmm. Life wasn't all that good until they're dead and then they're in the presence of Christ and then it's great. That's, that's right? Is that the perspective you're talking about eternally? Exactly, yeah. Right. You know, something that bothers me, and I'm going to get a little feedback and then we'll come to a conclusion on this. Right. Man is made in the image of God. You know, yeah. certain church circles, they just love to push that we're made in the image of God. Now, that's true. Yeah. I mean, that's a biblical reality. It is. Now, with that, I had a Christian brother one time, rightfully so, came down on me because I was pushing back on being made in the image of God. And he didn't quite get my sense of it right away. So I'm going to put it to you this way. So made in the image of God, 
this was his point, makes you and I responsible to treat each other as one who's made in God's image. Yes, true or false? Yeah, it's, it's the, kind of like the practice we were talking about. So if, I, if you regard me as being made in the image of God, mm-hmm. you're not going to hurt me if you respect God because I'm made in his image. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, right. pretty rational. Right. Now let's look at the other. See, there's always another side. Okay. Every coin has how many sides? There's two jobs. <laughs> two jobs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the other side is this. Is God required, I'm using that word carefully, mm-hmm. to show us the respect that we show each other? Is God required to show us the respect that we we should show each other? Yes. That's, that's a great question. I haven't thought about it. Um, I would say, I, I don't. Based on our, our our status of being separated from God, I don't think I don't think He does. But I can be convinced. That's just my first initial thought. Your first initial thought, in my opinion, mm-hmm. <laughs> in my biblical opinion, yeah. is right on. Okay. God doesn't send people to hell mm-hmm. because He's nasty, unkind, and unrighteous. He sends people to hell because he's righteous and holy and he always does the right thing. Mm-hmm. So he sends people who are depraved in character to hell because they rebelled against him. And sin is much more awful than we realize. We live in it. It's like living in the mud. Sure. You don't know it's mud. It's like a pig, you know. Yeah. And that's the way sin is. Uh-huh. So now when men want to push Calvin and we're made in the image of God and it's absolutely true. And how should we treat each other? Absolutely true. We should treat each other with the maximum respect Mm -hmm. because you are made in his image and I don't have the right to go against what he has done. But he has every right to do whatever he wants with what he's made. I would concur, yeah. And so when he sees a clay pot that's mangled and ugly Mm -hmm. and not the way he wanted it, he has the right to say, this should be destroyed. Yeah, it's it's, it's his. I think that when men preach... I'm going off on a maybe a little tangent here, but it's been bothering me very lately. Carry on. <laughs> when men preach being made in the image of God, they need to include God in the teaching. That while we need to respect to the utmost what God has made, mm-hmm. we need to understand that God does not have the same opinion of us that we should have of one another. You know, we don't sit in the seat of judgment. We don't become critical and say, you're living a sinful life, you should go to hell. We don't do that. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I'm just as sinful as you are, and I don't have the right to sit in that seat. But God does. So while we're proclaiming men made in the image of God for one another, great. Mm-hmm. God is not of that viewpoint, and so you should flee the wrath to come I if you're a sinner. Right. You, know, you should run to Jesus Christ, who has the love and compassion, to die on a cross for you so that you can find forgiveness. Does that sound right to you? It does, and even furthermore, when it comes to me as a man judging my my fellow man who is a Christian or, or a non-Christian, like God told us how we should judge them. Like when it comes to confrontations in the church, there's got to be multiple witnesses, and you go to them. And uh, so, yeah, when it, when it comes to like man judging other men, we need to be careful, and that's mm. biblical. Great point. Good biblical point. Good way to end. Thanks. <laughs> Why don't you close us in prayer? Sounds good. Heavenly Father, thank you for the fellowship that Joe and I can have with with each other and uh, the communion we also have with with you, Lord. 
Uh, we thank you for yeah, the, the life that you've given us and the eternal life that we have, not because of us, but only because of, of you, Jesus. I uh, yeah, pray for my brother Joe, and uh, yeah, thank you for him and his life and his ministries. And uh, yeah, I pray that your will would be done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.